Today on CityCast Boise, the last few years have been rough on Monique Michelle. After her ballet Folklorico Mexico Lindo studio closed during COVID, she worked to bring a safe space to her students wherever she could. Now, after dancing in parks, garages, and on Zoom, the company is celebrating the grand opening of a dream studio in Boise. It's Thursday, April 6th. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise's talking about. Welcome to CityCast. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm excited to be here. So Ballet Folklorico Mexico Lindo is celebrating 20 years in Idaho, but I understand you have actually had a really challenging couple of years during COVID. How have you been able to keep going as a dance studio during all this? Thank you for acknowledging that it was really hard. You are correct. Um, We are celebrating 20 years here in Idaho and During uh, 2021, my landlord raised my rent, and unfortunately, we were coming out of quarantine, but a lot of my families, and myself included, had lost my job during quarantine, and I just didn't feel comfortable passing the cost on to my dance families. And I just thought, you know, maybe this is a sign from the universe that it's just time to, like everybody else during quarantine, learn to pivot and just take another direction. And so I gathered my dance family and I shared with them that I had made the decision to close the studio. And we had been in that location in downtown Nampa for 10 years. And honestly, some parents were just so emotional and some of them were, you know, crying and just sad. And what are we going to do? And full disclosure now, I had no answers, but I was like bravest of the brave. And I was like, you know what? We're going to be just fine. And we're going to relocate and we're going to find somewhere. And in my head, I had no clue what was going to happen. And what I did tell my dance parents was, look, four walls and a roof don't make us who we are. We make us who we are. And the same way that I started with my friends, with four students in my friend's garage on a Saturday morning, with my newborn in a carrier and my four-year-old. And we literally had nothing, no music, no dance shoes. We, I mean, nothing, literally nothing. And so the same way that we were able to create and build, and I shared with my dance parents, I was like, we're going to be okay. We're going to be fine. I know you weren't able to like dance in your dance space, but did you all continue dancing during COVID? Did you do, like you said, you were, you're so creative. Were you able to do, I don't know, Zoom dance classes or like meet up in parks or stuff like that? Yes, ma'am. We did. And teaching dance via Zoom is the pits. <laughs> I can <laughs> but, just imagine. Because I didn't know what I was doing. Now, 2023, sure. No problem. I got lesson plans. No worries. Back then, oh my gosh, I was, I, oh my, it was a disaster. I got to tell you, God bless my dancers that showed up via Zoom. And it broke my heart because they were in their kitchen and their bedroom and their backyard and in their driveway and in their garage. And darn it, they showed up. And it just meant so much to me because I'm like, you know, this, they're trying, we are trying. And we were in parks and garages and backyards and... (laughs) 
driveways, you know? I feel like I'm tearing up here because I, I think you're reminding me how difficult that was. You know, I think we're kind of, you know, all of us are sort of like hustling through it and trying to come out the other side. But you're reminding me how how hard that was, especially for kids to, yeah. to be separated from the things that they loved and to be, oh, dang it, you made me cry already. But like, I think it's so it's so incredible that you were able to keep that going for kids because I'm sure it was such a huge piece of their world and of their life. And for you to keep that going is really amazing. And now you have this new studio in Boise, which is so exciting. What does this moment mean to you opening this place in Boise? It's extremely humbling to me. And now I'm going to get teary. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going to cry back and forth. (laughs) You know what? That's good. I'll pass you the virtual Kleenex. (laughs) Um, But you know, here's the thing. I, I was terrified And when we were practicing at parks and driveways and backyards and whatnot, and I was forcing myself to be okay with that. And I thought, oh, you know, you're not paying rent and look at what you're not doing, right? So it's okay. And I kept convincing myself that this was the better route to go. And it kept gnawing at me and gnawing at me and it just didn't feel right. And I thought, you know, it's not fair to my dancers because you, I was teaching two classes in one day, whereas I used to teach six classes a week. And if you were struggling, I couldn't help you. And I just, again, I didn't feel that was fair to my dancers and my dance families. And meanwhile, we have been performing since day one. We never stopped. And so thinking about my studio, and I think I want to just take it all in. But let me be very clear, Emma, by no means have I done this by myself. This is not anything that I did. This is such a collective. This is my dance teachers. This is my mom and dad who sacrificed for my private lessons and my costumes. And this is for every dancer out there who wished they could have had dance lessons. I have story after story after story in English and Spanish. If only I could have. I wish I would have. When I was little, I've always wanted to. I've seen them over and over and over. So dance is a privilege. I recognize that. The arts are a privilege. I recognize that. When I open my studio, I'm 150% serious when I say it is for everyone. It is a safe space. Absolutely everybody is welcome in my space. You know, whatever biases people have, that needs to stay at the door because I am not about that. Mm, I love to hear that. I love to hear that. It's very refreshing. And I know some people might not be familiar with this style of dance. So what is ballet folklorico? So in a nutshell, it's traditional Mexican folk dancing from the various regions of Mexico. And we say regions, whereas uh, geographically speaking, there there are states. There's 31 states in Mexico, right? And each of the states has its own style of choreography, of costuming, of musicality, of the instruments used. And it all depends on the uh, influence of basically whichever country colonized them. Yeah. And when I when I talk to my dancers, um, I'm a teacher by trade. That's what I know. That's what I did. Right. Dancing just happens to be the longest relationship of my life. It Mm. has outlasted everything. And so I incorporate my teaching into my dancing. I just happen to be a dancer who knows how to teach and vice versa. How how would you describe the style of dance and like what makes it so special? The costumes are gorgeous. I mean, I should say the costumes are so beautiful. 
Thank you. I think so too. Again, it's that influence. It just depends on where the dance comes from. And so I, in, in Mexican culture, it is extremely diverse within itself. We have, I say we, because I'm Mexican American. Um, we have German, we have Asian, we have French, we have Spanish, we have African, um, we have Irish. All of those are infused in with the indigenous Mexican culture and you get what you see and hear today. And it is all because of that diaspora. A lot of the, the regions that we learn about or that I teach about, they are similar, but they're not identical. They blend and bleed into one another because they're either geographically located near each other or because there was some sort of assimilation that happened. And it's produced and evident through the dances that you see. You mentioned earlier, I, I thought it was so beautiful that you said dancing was like your longest relationship. Uh, yes, and I wanted to ask you, you know, you've clearly been dancing for, uh, we'll say, a few years. Uh, <laughs> You're <laughs> so, very kind. <laughs> what keeps you in it? What keeps you going? Why do you love it so much? Emma, I don't know how to not. I really don't. I've had so many dance injuries. I have ruptured my Achilles tendon and I didn't walk for eight months. My dancers taught my classes. I never asked them. They did it all by themselves. I have broken my ankle, I don't know, I think five times. I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, all of my, I've even broken my nose, okay? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I just don't know how to not. And every single time I thought, okay, I'm done. You know what? I'm going to retire. I'm done. It was never done. And I'm a very spiritual person. So things that have come up and that have happened, for me, it's just a natural progression of um, that I'm on the path that I'm meant to be on. And the people that I am honored and charged to serve, the people that I am honored and charged to teach and share and learn with, they have all come across my path the same way that I've come across their path. And LOL, not kidding, my birthday is Mexican Independence Day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's September 16th. So like, it doesn't get any more legit than that. So, yeah. <laughs> and I think I have the coolest birthday because all of Mexico celebrates with me mm -hmm. and or I celebrate with all of them. And when I've performed on my birthday since I was six years old, and I tell you what, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like you said, like you mentioned being Mexican-American and having this very fun birthday. And it makes me think of your students and like, why do you think it's so important for them to have a space where they can really express themselves and connect and share their culture with the rest of the community? I see my students. I see them. They trust me. They know that I will always be in their corner. They know that I am there for them. They know that I am going to be their biggest cheerleader. They know that I am someone that is going to uplift them and my space is going to be the bright spot in their day if and when nothing else is. They can depend on me. I want to be the teacher that I never had. I can think of two teachers in my lifetime that made an impact on me. And, and we are going to learn about dance and we're going to perform and we're going to share and we're going to, you know, do all of the technical things related to dance and Mexican dance in particular. But we're going to laugh and we're going to cry and we're going to come to class and be tired and grumpy and bloated and <laughs> not having it. And it's okay. 
Because at the end of the day, like I said, my space is a safe space. And it, it's just important for me to have that safe space because I didn't realize growing up that I did not have that safe space. Um, you know, I'm thankful now that I have a space where I can stay after class. If there's something on your heart, we can do that. We can stay there. Versus when I was at the park or community center or whatever. And, you know, like time is money. You got to go. <laughs> but now it's my <laughs> yeah. space and, and we can do that. Other than the steps, which you mentioned, uh, what's the biggest lesson or like advice that you give to your students? Like when they finish a class, like what knowledge do you want them to walk away with other than, you know, the the actual steps of dance of the dance? I want them to know who they are. I'm in a fellowship right now, the um, fellowship for the Western States Arts Federation, Westaf, and it's through the Emerging Leaders of Color. And I'm in the cohort for the Pacific Northwest. So I represent Idaho. And the biggest takeaway I have and that I have shared with my students is know who you are when you show up. That's very good advice. I mean, I'm taking it right now. I love it. That's really good advice. (laughs) Thank you. I think so, too. And I tell my students when they walk in and they're like, hi, Monique, or, you know, hey, what's up? And I ask them two things. What was the best thing that happened to you today? And what do you know for sure? Mm. And I tell them. Know who you are when you show up. You know, you are all of these things and bring your authentic self to the classroom, to the stage, to the studio, wherever you go, be your authentic self, whatever that looks like. Both of my children are gay and that is huge and paramount in my life. And I tell them, you know, this is who we are and this is this is where we're at. And it it is not about judging or anything. And I, like I said, I have some people that are like, oh, I'm to this, I'm to that. I've always wanted to, I never, I, you know, and, and I just, I say, would you like to dance? Would you, you know, would, do you want to try it? And they say, well, you know, and they kind of get all shy about it. And my philosophy is you want to dance? I want to dance with you, period. <laughs> like, let's just do it. <laughs> That's really beautiful. People, like dancing is one of those things like singing. Uh, I mean, I, I guess any art, but I think of dancing and singing uh, very specifically how vulnerable it is. And, right. uh, and and to create a safe space where people can totally be themselves is that's really that's a really amazing thing that you're doing. And I think that's really beautiful. Um, And you're about to have the best thing happen. The grand opening of your new space is really soon on April 8th. What are you most excited about? It's going to be like the birthday party that I never had. It's, (laughs) It's everybody that I want to be there is going to be there. It is all of my favors cashed in. (laughs) (laughs) It is all of everybody who has supported me and who has been in my corner who I have always championed on the sidelines for them as well. They're coming to support me. And I got to tell you, it's overwhelming. And it kind of makes me a little bit uncomfortable to receive that. Um, like even now, I'm kind of like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> got to be vulnerable. You got to be vulnerable uh, back. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's disguised as the grand opening. But in reality, we are there to form and create a sense of community. And that is beautiful. And that's what I want for this space is a sense of community, period. Well, I love that. That's so beautiful. That's amazing. I think that's so cool. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Monique, we're so excited for you in this new space. And I think it's really amazing how you empower your students and 
you know, uh, help them connect with their identity and their culture. And Thank I you. cannot wait to see the new space and to see you dance. I am so excited. I can't wait. Thank you, Emma. I appreciate you so much. Thanks for the opportunity. I can't wait to see you there. Taco trucks, mariachis, DJ, ah, giveaways, BIPOC vendors. Come on, man. <laughs> Sounds like the best party we've had in a long time. Amen. Let's go. <laughs> And here's some news to know today. Idaho Governor Brad Little has signed into a law a bill banning gender-affirming care for minors. Physicians who prescribe hormones or puberty blockers could be charged with a felony and face up to 10 years in prison. According to the Idaho Statesman, it's one of three anti-trans rights bills that the governor has signed this session. And in more local news, Boise Mayor Lauren McLean has made her replacement picks for the city council. Latonia Haney-Keith will serve the remainder of the term for District 3, and Colin Nash will take the at-large seat. Former councilperson Lisa Sanchez, who inadvertently lost her seat after moving out of her district, applied to fill the vacancy but was not picked by McLean. Sanchez has indicated that she plans to run in November. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend? Leave us a review and subscribe to our Hey Boise newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with your local news roundup. And wow, there was a lot of news this week. Bye. Bye.